What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Happy Thursday, Levin. Yeah, you sick of talking yet? You do yeah. You do Steph, and then you go on with Ryan Hensley. Uh, what, you saved the best for last, or what? Huh? I huh? can't help it. Take if that, I- Steph. What do you think I- of that? <laughs> I can't help it if I'm in demand. People want me to talk. I like to talk as anyone that has ever heard any of my shows can attest to. Uh, we're going to talk about what needs to happen on this bye week, what the Niners need to fix. Levin has a reason why the Niners may not be changing their coverage, which I want to hear about. going to get to a couple other topics as well, but I want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you haven't done so, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network everywhere you get your podcasts. If you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. This one comes from X Will. Five stars podcast for any type of Niners fan. After losing better rivals as my go-to 49ers podcast, I searched around for a replacement. Rob and the crew with the gold standard are excellent. Lots of passion backed by real football analysis make this destination for all 49er fans. Rob is cathartic when the team struggles. Levin offers great facts with a level-headed approach. Vish gives you a deep dive into the analytics, and Michelle is fantastic by giving an outsider's view into what is going on with the team. Jason and Steph cut through team spin and offer a dose of reality. Podcast is worth it just for 49ers in five every weekday morning. Lots of happy customers, Levin. 49ers in five is like the worst part of the network because that's the part that's just you. You don't have anybody there to balance or anything like that. Hey, if you saw 49ers in five on Wednesday morning, you got not only did you get information, you got me in my Obi-Wan Kenobi costume because I did it right after trick or treating. So. That's just, you know, one of many reasons to check out. Ain't nobody want to see that. <laughs> Come on. Obi-Wan's <laughs> the best Jedi. Everybody knows it. All right. Let's get into the Niners. It's the bye week, obviously. The big news is Chase Young and the acquisition of Chase Young. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, Levin, is there was a report. I think Mike Silver had the article that Chase Young had a tendency to freelance and to kind of do his own thing in search of big plays. Could that be part of the reason he was available for just a third-round comp pick? I don't know. What's your response when you hear that news? Okay. (laughs) Uh, It's not ideal, but this defense is missing the big play. So somebody that's out seeking the big play isn't something that I'm going to be too terribly upset about. Yeah, if he ignores assignments and allows things to happen, that will be a concern. But his run defense grade, which you could take those with a grain of salt, um, but his grade is good. So clearly he he's being disciplined in the run game if his run grade is that good. And I'm not too worried about him buying in because Bosa is there. So he should be helping him in terms of like, hey, we've played together. This is what we do well, but this is what we do here. Here's how you can adapt to it. Like he has an insight into the level and the type of player Chase Young is and what he can do within this defense to be successful. So I'm, I'm not overly worried about that. YouTube channel member Oscar says, Hi, Robin Levin. You guys make my workday go by so much faster listening live today. Shout out to you, Oscar, and to all our YouTube channel members here. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, please consider supporting us. It's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. You get priority comment response. I agree with what you're saying, Levin. It's going to be on the locker room to say to him, look, I don't care what you did in Washington. I don't know what you did in Washington. Here's how we do it here. 
here's how this is going to go. Here's how this is going to operate. And if you freelance and guys are, you know, you're giving up big plays because you're creating run gaps or whatever it is, it's going to be on Bosa. It's going to be on Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and all those guys to get him back in line. That's not a coach thing. To me, that's a player inside the locker room thing. I mean, there's a really easy way to put it. Hey, if you're freelancing, we're going to tell them to get you off the field. And if you can't make it with these guys around you, with a Fred Warner to help you out, with a Fonga to help you out, you know, all the guys on the defensive line, then good luck getting the type of contract you want in free agency after this year, right? This sure. is that that's the pitch. Like fit in, do your job. The big plays will come because you got Bosa over there on the other side, and they're probably gonna concentrate on him more. So if you just do your job, you're going to earn the type of contract you're wanting to earn. If you don't do your job, you're not going to get on the field and we're going to play Gregory instead. And you're not going to get the deal you want. That's true. Like you're in a position to be great. Now go be great. You know, there's no real excuse not to do it. I know he had a good team around a good line around him in Washington. He still has that in San Francisco. Shout out. We, we got to give a little shout out here to spy versus spy Levin. The title of this is the one job for the 49ers over the bye week And he went in with like a, or he or she, I should say, went in with like a novel. Update the play calls in the drop back game. The defense is a matter of getting 11 guys to, but into what the defense is selling or getting a new defensive coordinator. Both things are unlikely to happen in a few weeks. That was comment one of five. Okay. (laughs) If you say fix the run game, there's only one real way to fix it. That sense we have one of the best running backs in the league that is get a better line. So we're not, that's not going to happen in a few weeks. And there's three more comments. Kyle can take a reality pill. The offense is quarterback friendly and updating the play calls. Oh, there's actually an extra comment here. Needless to say, it's a lot, Levin. I will say the one thing I think they got to fix job one is not the defense, although I think Chase Young helps. To me, it's fix the running game. When the running game is operating, it helps every other part of this team. It helps Brock. It helps the offensive line. It helps the defensive line. It helps the corners because the defense is not on the field as much. So the pass rush has more energy. To me, it all starts with the running game. And they have not been able to do that the past three weeks the way they normally do. I'm not sure there is a fix for the running game. That's the problem. You know, the the defense, we'll talk about coverages later, but there seems to be a much more obvious fix, different things you can try. This team can't run the ball because their offensive line isn't getting any push so it doesn't matter what you do if your offensive line isn't knocking the other guys back you're not going to be able to run the ball consistently and you shouldn't just you know keep running into a brick wall for the sake of running into a brick wall if it's not working try something else the offense i'm not overly concerned about because they're still moving the ball at a very high level you know they're still even in the recent games where they've only scored 17 points, they've still averaged in terms of average yards per play and the average drive in the top 10 of all offenses. They're just not finishing. They're not getting the points on the board. They're turning the ball over in the red zone. They've done it three times. So that's why the offense is broke. The offense isn't broken that they can't get the ball moving. They're broken that they're just not finishing. And I feel like that's something that's different. It's not that they necessarily need to run the ball. It'd be nice if they could. I'm just not convinced they can with this offensive line. It's just that they need to stop making mental mistakes in the red zone. Christian McCaffrey, stop fumbling in the red zone. Brock (laughs) Purdy, on a broken screen, don't try to throw the ball. 
because your <laughs> offensive linemen are going to be down the field. Eat it. Just get whatever you can with your feet and live for a second down. Like it's mental mistakes, not really why they can't do it. I think that they need to pass the ball on first down so that you set up a second and mid, second and short, third and mid, third and short. So then let's say you pass the ball on first down, you gain like five yards, right? If you run the ball on second down and you gain even two yards, you set up a much more manageable third down and your running game, even though you're not gaining a lot in terms of yards per carry, it's still effective because it's still setting you up in a position to be able to convert and move the chains. And if you happen to to get more on the run than two or three yards, obviously that's great. But I feel like if you can have success passing on first down, you lessen the burden on that run game and make you almost like make it more effective without making it more effective, which is a weird way to say it. Well, you either run to set up the pass or you pass to set up the run. There, there's no in between. Th- those are the two ways you can run an offense. In the past, it's always been run to set up the pass. Or a lot of times when Jimmy Garoppolo was in, it was run until you're forced to pass. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the clipboard. That's what they got him as his present. Here's a brand new clipboard. <laughs> a whole bunch of free time, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, but they they early in the season, they passed a lot on first down. So you're not wrong about it. My question is, where are the safe passes? You know what I mean? Where's the screens? Where's the... Uh, you know, just quick slants. It's not just because Debo's out. Like, where's the dump offs to Christian McCaffrey? Like, I feel like they're having Christian McCaffrey run a lot of r- actual routes where he's not just going out and sitting as a, all right, if everything's broke, just hit me and we'll get, you know, two, three, four yards and at least get a positive game. They're not having that. So there, it, it seems to me like the easy, the, like you said, getting into manageable downs, get into second and six get into third and four or shorter. They're not really doing that. They're going into the pass game. And look, they've been really, really good at it, but they're going into the pass game saying, we can get 10 plus yards every time. You don't need to. And that's part of the problem. I actually saw a stat uh, just earlier today. I retweeted it, came from a PFF uh, writer. Brock Purdy is number one in the NFL in passes of 25 plus yards. Number one in QB rating. He has 142 I think it was 0.7 QB rating on passes that travel at least, I think it was 25 yards. Like They are doing a really good job passing deep. The problem is if you pass deep all the time, you're going to come out sometimes and it doesn't work and you're going to have more punts. You know, it's kind of like Mike Martz. Mike Martz offenses, if you remember, you're old enough to remember 15 years ago with the 49ers (laughs) and stuff. Yeah, they had a lot of yards. The problem is they had a lot of three and outs and a lot of punts. Because they would come out and they would go, oh, here's 15 yards. Now here's three straight incompletions. Oh, here's two straight completions of 10 yards. And then here's a couple of incompletions in a row. And overall, the yards added up. But in reality, the offense wasn't that efficient. I I just would like to see more screens, see that safety net of Christian McCaffrey sitting there and waiting for a pass rather than running an actual route. Be there more. So that even on the broken plays, it's not Purdy trying to scramble and make magic happen. It's, all right, let's just take what we can get and get into a more manageable down. God, so much depends on 23. It's unbelievable. I feel like how much of the the burden of this offense he has to shoulder. 
Uh, we'll see if he can. Shout out to everybody watching on Twitch. Waltony 101. They should just score more points and give up fewer points. That's brilliant analysis, as we always appreciate the Twitch contributions, at least half the show. It's did. like the ghost of John Madden analysis there. <laughs> John, James Walsh, thank you very much for the super chat. See why Chase Young might help defense, but I think Purdy is going to continue to struggle. If you watched him in college and were skeptical, this is what you were expecting to happen. The fact that it is, you remember hap- what happened in Iowa. If you watch some of those Purdy, <laughs> those college games with Purdy 11, there is some serious like WTF kind of plays there for sure. And that's the flashback I had when he throws that freaking interception on the eight yard line against Cincinnati, just like a bonehead. What are you doing? That's totally and completely avoidable. Some interceptions, the guy baits you into throw, whatever. But that one he had on the eight yard line when it's illegal to pass the ball and you're still throwing it. That's the one you got to cut out. Yeah. And you would think it's easier to cut it out. But at the same time, like, like you said, there's multiple years of history here now pretty doing those type of things. So can you cut it out? I don't know. You know, you would hope getting into the NFL, things being faster, he would realize I can't be the superhero. I'm not that guy. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be the Patrick Mahomes because almost nobody is. And just take what the defense gives you. That That's the thing that I think he's just struggling with is sometimes you just got to eat it. It's not going to be a positive play, mm-hmm. you know, and you saw that on some of, some of the, uh, the fumble, for instance, at the end of the game, like, dude, you got to be aware. Somebody's coming behind you and you got to be protected. You, you've seen him where he's about to be sacked and he throws these crazy passes where he's just trying to get rid of it to not take a negative play. No, protect the ball. Just take the negative play. It will be okay. Yep. And I feel like that's what he's struggling with right now is that, the play didn't work. Now I got to be special. No, the play didn't work. If there's not something obvious there, don't try to create something that's not there. Yes. Live to play another down. I'm trying to search on my phone. Somebody sent me. Shoot. I apologize. I can't find it now. But apparently after one of the most recent losses, Brock and Fred Warner kind of had a private conversation um, in a locker room and reportedly semi-private i should say because obviously we know a little about it reportedly brock apologized to fred like hey i lost this game kind of a thing and i almost wonder if brock kind of felt like he had to take more on his shoulders and then when it didn't come through hence the apology to warner like he he doesn't need to think that way don't think that way brock less is more go down take the sack scramble when you can but you don't have to you know gain eight yards on every play sometimes just not having a negative play is a positive play yeah i mean i i get it he just needs to cut out the real big mistakes because what he was doing on sunday was special right he was about to be having his best game up until those interceptions came and they came so you can't sit there and say oh well, if you take away the interceptions, he had a good game. No, he had the interceptions. Like right. <laughs> some of the team have said that. But the simple fact of the matter is, I don't know if you saw my tweet from uh, yesterday. Brock Purdy did something that's only happened 23 times in NFL history. There's only been 23 games where a quarterback's ever been able to have 350 passing yards and 50 rushing yards. And he wow. had one of those on Sunday. So he's he's close. He just needs to cut out those critical mistakes. 
He cuts out those critical mistakes. It was going to be a special game with what he was doing. You know, I find that funny, and it should be noted because this is a Niner show. Of those 23 games, that jersey behind me accounted for three of them. <laughs> Steve Young is a monster, man. No, I didn't see that tweet from you, Levin. Unfortunately, there's only one tweet I saw from you. Uh, this one. At takes by Levin. Watched across the Spider-Verse last night. It was good, not great, and then ended at the climax with no actual conclusion. That's lazy BS. Bleep that. How I will not have any Spider-Verse slander on this network. You knock it off. I, I can't stand when movies do this. Like Pirates of the Caribbean 2. No. Finish an arc, and you can leave another arc. Like somebody said in the comments to that tweet, we're getting off script, but we're going to bring it back full circle. <laughs> they said, "Have you? Do, do you have a problem with Empire Strikes Back? No, because in Empire Strikes Back, he's rescued at the end. He's going away to finish his training so that he can come back and try to beat him. That's finishing part of an arc. That's finishing part of the story. The way this ended, and I'm not going to have too many spoilers, but the way it end, ended, he's captured. He's like, he's about to be killed, and it ends. Like, no, that that's when you go to a commercial break in a TV show and you come back." And actually show what happened. Not, hey, we're going to finish the movie here. Come back in a year. <laughs> I do agree that it ends like it does end exactly like you said. Like almost like a to be continued on a TV show back in the day. But I, I think it was clear that it was part two of an arc. And right, so but I, they could have they could have ended it at a different point a little bit earlier and been OK. They wanted to end it on a crazy cliffhanger. And that just pisses me off. Like they could have ended it. I'm not I'm trying not to get into too many spoilers. But when he sees his uncle and he's like, what's happening? That could have been the end. You know what I mean? Because at that point, he's not captured, none of that. So it's kind of like, a, oh, this is a mystery that has to be solved later. Mm, they are coming for you in the comments. Cossard49 says, it's called a cliffhanger for part three, Levin. Heinemann probably, uh, says, Levin probably hated the new Dune. I have no idea. I've never... Uh watch dune or cared to watch dune uh joe kohler says what's levin's take on coke versus pepsi and there's only one correct answer uh your take is exactly my take if i'm at a restaurant and i say i'll take a coke and they say pepsi not only do i go no i'm annoyed that they <laughs> think that's the same right yes <laughs> like all right don't pretend it's the same no i do have people you know if they say Sorry, we only have Pepsi's. That okay? I'm okay with that. If you ask me in that in that term, you but when they say when you, right, when you say I'll take a Coke, and they go, "Oh, we got Pepsi," like no, and you have nothing. There have been a few times when in my life where I've asked for a Coke, they bring it. It's clearly Pepsi. I say yep. this is Pepsi, isn't it? And they go, "Yeah," and I go, "Okay, take it off my bill." Right. I didn't ask for. I've that. had to do that twice. Like no, I don't want Pepsi. Don't don't pretend it's the same. You are a man after my own heart in that in that case. Absolutely. And, oh, and I from the time so I had a cousin that my brother and I were close with. They lived like a couple blocks away. They always had Pepsi in the house. Always. Yeah. And I never wanted it. And I said when I was nine years old, Pepsi ta tastes like flat coke. Yes. And you said that yesterday. It tastes like flat coke. If you take coke and you stir it up and get rid of most of the carbonation and then drink it, it will taste exactly like Pepsi. Right. There's no Pepsi factory. They just go around collecting Coke and they shake it up and then they change the label on it. That's the recipe for Pepsi. I don't know if people know now, this. This is the best drink, coffee. Oh, I thought you were. 
I thought you had a little something extra in that coffee. Uh, Joe's back. He says there's a lot of talk about how bad Purdy is, but who's the alternative? If he's not the future, who do you think, who do you both think the Niners should get? I think there are clearly questions with Purdy. Uh, and I said just a couple hours ago, the Kirk Cousins thing is still a definite possibility for this team in 2024. I don't care about his Achilles. Like they'll, he'll be back. I think it's a, it's a very real chance that Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of this team next year. I think there's a chance. I don't think it's a very big chance. The part that I take issue with is people saying, oh, if he has another bad game or two, he's going to be benched. Get the hell out of here with that. We know who's pushing that. You talked to him yesterday. Grant is pushing that because it gets him clicks. But that is a bullshit take that has no actual credibility. No, they're not about to bench him for Sam Darnold. That's a narrative you're trying to push to get attention. I hate that. Like, there's no chance he's going to get benched right now. Zero. Now, if you go, let's say the Niners miraculously win some games and they're still in playoff position, and Purdy's had like four or five, six more games where he has this, and his turnovers are approaching, you know, 20 for the season. That's the only time I would think, like, if you get like eight straight games of somebody turning the ball over multiple times, at that point, the coach has to start to think about it. I would rather see Purdy for every game the rest of the way. So Again, I don't care how bad it gets. Figure out what you have. If you have a quarterback, stick with a guy long enough to know and actually know. Not like, oh, four starts and now we know. Um, let's get into some of the defensive stuff here because. Well, well I, before we do that, I do want to I want to give you a theoretical stat line for Purdy. Like, how oh, okay. good do you have to be that you would take? If I told you right now. Purdy will end up with 4,300 yards, 26 passing touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Would you take that? 26 passing touchdowns. I mean, can I get a quarterback to throw for 30 touchdowns, please? So basically you're giving me 14 more touchdowns through the air for Purdy because he already has 12 now. And six interceptions. 14 touchdowns. Yeah. The problem is, like... Am I getting the Purdy that I saw the last three weeks, or am I getting Purdy from earlier in the year? Well, I think it's pretty obvious with that. You're getting a, a mixture. Yeah, which is realistically the most likely thing. I, I was going to say no. I'd roll the dice on that. I need more touchdowns. I want touchdowns, man. Enough of this field goal crap. Enough of this, well, they move the ball really well. Score points. What if I told you he has four rushing touchdowns? Two that, during that period, four on the season. So 30 total touchdowns on the season. All right. I have to sign up for 30 total touchdowns. That's what he's on pace for. Well, we haven't had that here in San Francisco <laughs> since Jeff Garcia. So no, he's literally the stat line I gave you is what he's on pace for. He's on pace for 4,320 passing yards, 26 passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 227 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. So he's on pace for more than 4,500 total yards, and he's on pace for 30 total touchdowns to just 11 interceptions. That's what he's on pace for. Why are we talking about him potentially getting benched? I understand he's had three bad games in a row. He's turned the ball over. But as I said, it's not like it's been complete disaster negatives. He's had, in every single one of those games, he's had a multiple quarter stretch where he's been really good. He just has made the critical mistakes. Like I said, he's he just had the, only the 23rd game in history where a quarterback had 350 passing yards to 15 rush, rushing yards. Like, he is, he's close. 
he's doing a lot of positive, and then he has the one critical mistake, which is not something you can allow to be sustained, right? You can't allow that to continue to happen. If he keeps doing that, then that's what he is, and that's not good enough. But the simple fact of the matter is he's having streaks of being really, really good, and then he makes the critical mistake. That's exactly what you expect out of a young quarterback, right? So yeah. I don't get the narrative of, ooh, he could get benched by season in. I, I just don't I, I don't get that because what he's done to this point in the season is really, really good. And if I would go further and say that if it wasn't three games in a row, if it was still the total, but he had like two good games to start the season, then a bad game, then two good games, and then a bad game, and then you know, ended up with five good games and three bad games like he has. Same exact stat line. The narrative would be completely different. There'd be nobody sitting here saying, ooh, he could get benched. It's the fact that three came in a row. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I think that there is some truth to that. I still think I would not, I would feel uneasy if the Niners had the same record, even if they didn't lose all three in a row. Um, just because. Yeah, I would feel uneasy, but I think the narrative, Purdy specifically, yes. would have a different narrative. Even if if Moody just makes that one kick, right? Yeah. If you only change that one play, I think the feeling on Moody is a lot different, especially because, like you said, statistically, other than the interceptions, he did put up a, a lot of numbers against Cincinnati. Kevin Jones, YouTube channel member, says you folks need to set up a debate between Levin and Grant. I'd like to see that. By the way, Kevin Jones did a little writing for us, Levin. In fact, he wrote his first article for our website, goldstandardniners.com. He's written as many articles for the webpage as you have now, which I just want to point that out. But everybody should go and check out the article. You can see it if you're watching the stream. Will Chase Young solve the 49ers' woes on defense? Thank you very much, Kevin. We appreciate it. Um, he's already going to top you on our article. I'm getting pitches from Kevin all the time, Levin. You know, he's, you better watch out. Hey, I'm all for it. I'm not somebody that sits here and gets jealous. Like, I'm all for it. Like, you know, because I've told you privately, I don't have time for it right now because I'm in school for my MBA and I loaded up on my classics. I decided I don't want to take two years to get my MBA. I want to get it done in a year. So I just don't have the free time. I got lots of ideas. And then every time I get to the end of the week and I go, yeah, never found time to get that one flushed out. Flushed down the toilets, more like it. You got lots of ideas. It's like, well, the 49ers gained a lot of yards. I don't need ideas. I need articles. I need points, Levin. You're letting me down. Get your priorities straight, okay? Forget your MBA. I need free labor out of you. You get enough of that as it is. <laughs> that, that's You're not wrong. You know how much that. money I have made you? I have made you so much money because every time you do a live, you forget to turn on monetization afterwards, and I see it later and turn it on for you so you can make some money off ads. True. He's not wrong. <laughs> I've gone to StreamYard to try and fix it. There's no fix for it. By the way, if you haven't been to our website, goldstandardniners.com, please go and check it out. And I want to give a shout out to SlotRight Marketing for all the help that they gave to me for setting up the website. I was scrambling after I got laid off. I was trying to do 10,000 things. I knew I wanted to have a website and I needed help. I didn't know where to turn. And they reached out to me and contacted me. They specialize in marketing consulting, creative strategies, and content ideation to help increase your brand equity. And they have over 20 plus years of experience with digital marketing. So they know how to get you up and running. Visit their website, slotright.com 
That is slotright.com. I promise you, you will be very happy that you did. Now, if I could just get more articles out of 11, I'll be in better shape. You know, I'm not the only one. Uh, You know what? I got to write more, too, to be honest with you. Um, One thing I wanted to touch on is something that John Lynch talked about in the conference call, which was he was asked about the guys that are on IR. And, you know, the time is coming for them to open up the practice window. Uh, In case you forgot, it's guys like Danny Gray, Darrell Luter is out there. Uh, Robert Beal, the rookie defensive end that they drafted is on IR. And John Lynch said, hey, we've got to make some decisions essentially and figure out who we're going to take off and bring back and all that stuff. Is there anybody on IR that you think could actually make a dent in some of the issues the 49ers have right now? I think Luter and Womack, maybe. It's hard to know because neither one of them have played a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Womack had a really good game to start his career and then went downhill quick. But it's good that they at least have some kind of bullets. I mean, I would argue they're more like BBs than full-on bullets. But, <laughs> you know, maybe they can solve it because if we're being honest, like Oliver has been as bad as you can be. The guy is allowing like 90% pass completion when targeted. And he's allowing, I think it's something like 60 yards a game. Like, he's terrible. He's not just bad. He is terrible. He might be the worst cornerback in the league in the slot. Like, he's terrible. Well, that's what I have said this morning is I don't need these guys coming off IR to be Darrell Revis, to be all pro people. You don't have to be Sauce Gardner. Just be a league average guy. Just don't give up 100% completions like Oliver has done the past three weeks. That's the same percentage I would give up if I was at corner. <laughs> no, give up less than me. Okay. Five foot 10, 140 pound me. If he's going to be that bad, I would like to see them maybe play more of a regular defense, get rid of the nickel, take him off the field, put on, put in Owen, Owen Brooks as a third linebacker and maybe have Fred Warner or clearly go more zone. But if he's going to be that bad, he shouldn't be on the field. That's the best they could do. The best they could do is 100% completion percentage over the past three weeks. That's a scary thought. Shout out to Chad Marshall, YouTube channel member. Happy birthday, Chad. Appreciate it. Thank you for the super chat. Anyone would take those stats that you gave out for Brock Purdy for a rookie, and he essentially still is a rookie. That's what he should be doing in this offense with this play caller. Like, I don't think that's unrealistic. I think that's what he should be doing. I think that's what a lot of guys should be doing. I know 49er fans get mad and angry with that, but they asked that the thing about Brock Purdy that was supposed to be the selling point is that he's a great processor. He knows where to go with the football and he doesn't turn it over, but he's been turning it over. That's one thing where I think you can ask him to step up and be better. That that's one area where you're like, look, even if you don't throw for a bunch of touchdowns, just don't give the other team chances to score touchdowns. Right. I mean, it's a lot better of a spot to be than most, right? Because if the guy's just not processing what he's seeing, that's a problem. And that's one that you can't necessarily fix. If somebody is processing what they're seeing and playing at a really high level, but they keep making critical mistakes, a lot of those do get fixed. It's not a hundred percent. Some guys continue to make the critical mistake over and over because for whatever reason they panic or whatever it is that causes them to just make a stupid error. That's Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not as good as a processor, but Jimmy Garoppolo, until recent seasons, I would say 2019, 2020, 
he was the quarterback that 90% of the time he does exactly what he should do. And that 10% of the time he's a freaking idiot and you have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Can we just not have freaking idiots back there, please? Can we avoid the freaking idiot plays? That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, Red and gold till I'm dead and cold podcast says, what happened to rookie Tig Brown over the top at safety and Hufanga in the box? He's been a goat. Jair Brown has been a ghost. Does he even play? Yeah. He plays on special teams some. But I had that thought as well. The problem is I don't think Huff is fast enough for the slot. Like, he's not quick. No. And you got to be quick in the slot. He clearly is physical enough, but I feel like you'd be taking away one of the best playmakers on defense, right? You don't want to take away his ability to freelance and anticipate and all that type of stuff. I don't know the uh, kind of lateral being able to turn his hips and all that quickness of Jair Brown, but maybe try him in the slot. You know what I mean? It's hard to know because being an actual cornerback over being a safety is a completely different ball game in terms of the type of athleticism you need, right? You know, safeties are a lot more about straight line speed and anticipating. Corners are very much about their hips and their footwork being perfect. They're like the wide receiver. They have to be perfect because a slight misstep means they're two yards behind the wide receiver. It's a different ballgame. I don't know that either one of them are capable. But if Oliver is going to continue to be this bad, you might as well try something, right? I do want to point one thing out. I want to, I want to touch on this. Stephen Draper says, dump on Grant all you want. But he got a lot of 49ers content creators started and supported their channels. I just want to say it for the record. Grant's a great guy. He helped you. He gave you advice when you're starting. He still gives you advice. Yep. Um, so it's not me attacking Grant personally. I do think that in the uh, press conferences, he's the best one because they actually will ask a tough question. I think sometimes he asks a stupid question just to get a reaction. But he asks the tough questions nobody else does. But in terms of the narratives that he pushes, I would say half of them, I think he's not being truthful. He's pushing it because he knows it's going to get a reaction and clicks. And that's what I take issue with. It's I personally don't like people that that will say stuff that they don't truly believe. And I feel like sometimes he does that just to be able to get the reaction that he's looking for. And if that's what he wants to do, there's nothing. I I wouldn't say there's nothing directly wrong with it i just disagree with that it's something i don't personally like and that's what i criticize him for i disagree with a lot of what grant says and we generally battle it out on the show but i totally agree about one what you said about helping content creators absolutely he could not have been a nicer person to me when i got laid off and i will always appreciate him for that uh and the questions i like the questions like i like the question he asked to john lynch during the conference call why did you trade for another pass rusher when you need a corner and they do need a corner and i i heard uh chris sims on his show chris sims on button say that chris was getting texts from other people in the league hey your boy kyle shanahan is is reaching out about our corners that he was sniffing around our corners they really want a corner like i think they know and they tried but ultimately they didn't do it and i don't i just wonder if that's going to come back to bite him how how often this year have you talked about the tightrope that we're walking if one of these corners happens to get hurt. I will say, I haven't gotten a touch on the trade deadline. My thought coming out of the trade deadline is, I truly wonder if the Bears changed their 
demands when they got Montez Sweat when it came to Jalen Johnson. Because it was reported both the Bills and the 49ers were negotiating with Johnson on a contract. That doesn't normally happen unless there's some kind of trade package that's loosely agreed to. It might not be 100% ironed out, but the general package is agreed to. There just might be, oh, I want you to throw in a seventh, I'll throw in a sixth. There's some small you know, small amount that needs to be adjusted, right? So to me, there had to have been something agreed to that was close for them to be negotiating on a contract with him. But then the sweat trade happened, and I think the Bears got full of themselves and thought, hey, why are we trading a great young corner when we can try to pay him this offseason and have a great defense for going forward, right? We can have sweat, we can have... Jalen Johnson, and then the report came out after the trade deadline that they wanted a either a late first or an early second. Well, the Niners don't have an early second. They would only have been able to trade their first, which is no way you're going to trade that. I do wonder if they had a trade package that was, we'll give you a you know a, a second round our second round pick, and then towards the end the Bears were like, hold on, it needs to be the first, or we're not doing it. It was weird that oh, I was like, oh, Montez Sweat gets traded to the Bears. I was like, wait to the bear like the bears i thought were going to be unloading people so that caught me off guard and don't forget tim kawakami tweeted that he was hearing that another trade was all but agreed to also Mm -hmm. so you know we don't i'm not saying that that it was jalen johnson maybe it was maybe it wasn't i don't know but tim's not throwing that out there for no reason like if tim's tweeting that out he was pretty confident that another trade was down the pipe I, I i really do wonder if and it's total speculation so take it for what you want I do wonder if the Niners agreed to a certain package with the Bears, negotiated with Johnson, were coming to an agreement with Johnson on a contract. That's what TK heard. He heard from the agent or somebody that, hey, they've agreed to the contract. They're going to end up finishing up this deal with the Bears. And he tweeted it out. And then when the Niners are like, okay, we have a contract agreed to. Let's finish this. The Bears are like, hold on. It needs to be a first. Which I'm sure if you're the 49ers, you were like, no, we already yeah. did that part of it. Uh, he is not him, says, I said trade Kawakami after he lied to us. I, he didn't lie. That, that's the thing, right? And and think of the 49ers press corps. They're not known for getting scoops. They're not known for digging up dirt. So the fact that he had it and was willing to put it out there means I, I bet he was pretty confident or that source, whoever he his source was, yeah. was pretty confident that. It's a lesson he, learned he, in phrasing. Yeah, if he I had mean, said, I'm hearing the Niners are really close to another deal. At the 11th hour, let's see what happens. Nobody would be coming for him. But he said, I'm here and the Niners have another deal in place. Well, that's taken as the trade's happening. Whereas the way I just said it was taking it as, oh, they're close. They're likely to get another one, but it's not fully done yet. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't mad at Kawakam. I mean, I was mad that they didn't pull off another trade. But, like, I didn't think he did anybody a disservice there, to be honest with you. I don't. Stuff happens, especially at the trade deadline. Like you just provided a very realistic scenario there where that source could have been totally accurate, right? Before they trade for Montez Sweat, maybe that it was close to a done deal. And then the Sweat trade happened and everything changed. Like that, that happens too. Quick sidebar. Did you see what Sweat said about signing an extension? Uh, he said he's not going to, right? He's, he's going to keep his options open. Yeah, it's like, good. Wow, Bears. Like, goodness. Right. You, like, you trade for a guy. And you don't even guarantee that you're going to get a contract. Like that's why you negotiate the contract before the trade. And like also just that's like him basically saying, 
I don't really want to be here. Like he's basically announcing to the world that he would rather not play for the Bears. And that's the other thing with Chase Young, right? You go from Washington, who essentially had no real prospects, certainly not for this season, right? You're not, it's not like you're going to win your division. You've got Dallas, you've got Philly in your division. You know, maybe you could battle for the last wild card spot. Now all of a sudden you're in San Francisco. You're five and three. You're battling for the NFC West title. You're a contender to get the number one seed. Like that in in and of itself has got to be a motivating factor for you. You would hope, right? (laughs) Like I'm sure that's why Sweat's being Mm non-committal because he just went from a losing franchise to another losing franchise. You really think he's going to go, all right, pay me when he has the option to say, all right, this other team can pay me the same amount and they're a title contender. Right. That's why, like, all the, everything goes into the pot when you're considering that and player futures and all that stuff. And the fact that the 49ers have been in contention for a while helps them. And it's going to help them for the near future because I think, obviously, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot again this year. And I, I would say, while the number one seed would be nice, just get into the dance. And this team, I think, has as good a shot as anybody. Yeah, but, I mean, playoffs are... Playoffs are... You know, they're obviously not guaranteed, but as a fan with where this team is at in the talent level, if you don't make the damn playoffs, heads better be rolling. Yes. I mean, so I... to me, like, yeah, get in the playoffs. You, I like their chances. That is true, but they shouldn't be struggling to make the playoffs. Something's wrong if that's the case. And I, I think ultimately they will get in the playoffs. Let's see if I could pop it up here really quick um the standings for the playoffs right now can you see that yeah it's a little blurry i'll try to get a little closer philly is obviously the one seed because they just keep finding a damn way to win close games those jerks then the lions are at two and that's the biggest competition i think for the 49ers 11 is the lions if you go and look at the lions schedule it is ridiculously easy the rest of the Mm -hmm. way especially considering that kirk cousins is now out for the year because they still have two more games against minnesota they have two more games against chicago they have another game against green bay they have denver they really only have one hard game the rest of the year and it's at dallas in week 17 the rest of it is cake and they should probably be favored in all those games so i think the lions are the sneaky number one seed contender i don't think it's that sneaky anymore yeah i i think if the niners want the one seed they have to win out 14 and 3 i think they probably get the one seed 13 and 4 going to come down to tiebreakers i don't i don't like their chances well the good news is even though the niners have three losses they only have one in the conference and they don't have any in the division so that's right now anyway that's good like the niners have lost the quote-unquote good games when it comes to tiebreakers at least so that's something that's in their favor yeah i mean and you can look at the seahawks look at that strength of schedule wolf like they played nobody yeah they got a big game this week coming up against uh, Baltimore. I'm going to be loving watching that game. I think Baltimore is really, really good. And I think it is a little bit of a litmus test for Seattle because you're right. They've, they haven't played anybody that good and they've struggled to win some of those games. Now to their yeah, Gino's not been very good this year. Geno Smith has struggled. Seattle lost to the Rams in week one. They beat Detroit. That looks like a good win. They beat them in overtime. They beat Carolina. They beat the Giants. They lost to Cincinnati. They beat Arizona and they beat Cleveland. So yeah, they haven't really been tested. Now they're in Baltimore this week. They got to play the Rams one more time. Obviously they got to play the Niners twice. They have a stretch. Seattle does 
week 12 Niners, then at Dallas, at San Francisco again, Philadelphia. That is a stretch for the Seahawks. So we'll find out about that. I mean, it comes down to Niners versus Seahawks. Win those games, you got the division. Lose those games, you're not winning the division. Like Seattle is a team that finds a way to win. There, there are so many games over the last decade. There are so many games just in the last two years. Last year they were doing it too. This year they've been doing it. Where they struggle, it's close, it's close, and then they end up pulling it out in the end. They are a team that knows how to win the grimy games. They are a team that knows how to play in close games. The 49ers are the opposite. They can come out and they'll pound you, and they'll keep pounding you if they succeeded in the first part. If they come out and throw a haymaker and miss and get caught with a counter, they fold. You're not wrong. They kind of have a glass jaw, and it's weird because they shouldn't because they've been so battle-tested. Like, they shouldn't have a glass jaw, but they kind of do right now. Bay Marin, YouTube channel member, says, I have Seattle PTSD. First of all, Bay Marin, where have you been? I haven't seen you in the chat in a really long time. You're one of the OG supporters of the channel, so I'm glad to see you're back. I don't want to, like, renew the rivalry with Seattle. I'm fine with beating them three times a year. Like, let's just keep that going, please. Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to have, like, a true rival. But same time, every time I play the Seahawks, I want to win, obviously. Like, I don't want to lose one just to have a better rivalry. Right. Are you hoping the Niners drop? Just like the Cowboys. I wouldn't – I don't want to lose one to the Cowboys just so they can be an actual rivalry, not just us beating up on our little sister, right? (laughs) So, like, yeah. Both teams, the Niners and the Seahawks are in the same position right now. Yes, the, the Niners are a half game down, but they're both in the position of, they haven't really proven enough to be fully confident they're going to come through. And they got a really tough stretch coming up. They have the hunger, though. They have that hunger of not having climbed the mountain before. Yeah. The Niners, they don't have that. I really think that's what's missing right now. And maybe somehow they could reignite it, but they got to do something. I went back. This is me and the kind of time I have, apparently. I went back just to look at defensive highlights from 2019 yesterday. Like, let me, you know, I just want to throw it on. My God, they were everywhere. I feel like right now it's Greenlaw running around and maybe Warner and that's it. You go back and watch 2019. It's just a sea of red. They're like a swarm of bees. Somebody gets a hit, stands a guy up. Another guy comes in, bam, smashes him, balls out. There's four red shirts diving on it. I just feel like they don't play like that anymore. They don't have that bad intentions when they meet the ball carrier like they used to. I think we really have hit the nail on the head. This is a team that has played in a lot of big games in the playoffs in recent years. And it's almost like they don't take these games fully serious. The the energy level is not the same because it doesn't mean a ton because it's just one regular season game. And that's mind-boggling for a team that has never gotten over that mountain, right? They haven't won a Super Bowl. They only made it once. Why are you acting like the Chiefs? You know, like that's the narrative with the Chiefs. Yeah, they're they're not taking every game fully serious because they know come playoffs is when it matters. The problem is they've won it twice. That's to be expected. They have the ring on their finger, so it's understood that the hunger might not come for a little while because they already have the ring on their finger. Why are the 49ers acting that way? 
I don't know. I think it part of it's got to come from Kyle, right? Part of it has to come from Kyle because somebody's setting that tone. Yeah. Tell them the truth. You haven't done crap. Nobody will remember you 10 years from now. True. Nobody's going to remember these teams other than some Niner fans will remember. Oh, you remember that team? Wow. And you know what the narrative's going to be? How did they not win one? That's going to be your legacy amongst 49ers and nobody else in the NFL will think about you. Right. Nobody, no one talks about the Jim Harbaugh 49er teams. Were they great? Yeah. But they weren't great enough. We do because we're Niner fans. Right. Nobody outside of the league really talks about those. No. And that's, that's just the nature of the sport and how it goes. James Thomas says, let's have some perspective. We're still one of the best teams. Imagine being a fan of an actual crappy team. No, thank you. I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> I, I've lived that. We've been the crappy team, and I've still been a fan. So I don't need to imagine it, all right? I have the nightmares that will last for a long time. They are a good team. They should be better, though. That's the thing. They it, Good teams don't have, I feel like, this big range of performances. They're so volatile, this 49er team. A team with this amount of talent should not have a three-game stretch like they just have. Right. Plain and simple. That That's that's the end of it. It's inexcusable for them to have three straight games like that. Yes, it's – if they had, like, a downer game, that's one thing. Like, that that happens to everybody except for a very few teams in the history of the NFL. To have that one game where, like, wow, they took – they were looking forward to the bye week or, like, the Falcons game a few years ago where they just came in and they had a big letdown, right? Like – that's to be expected, but three games in a row, that's a different story. That's inexcusable. That makes you question where this team is at in reality. Like, are they actually going to turn it around? Because three games in a row is a streak. That's not just, you know, that's enough for a trend to be set. That's not just a, oh, they were off today. What do they always say? Once is a fluke, two is a problem, three is a trend. Well, now we're trending, and it's not in a good direction. And San Francisco can turn it all around. They have the bye week. Hopefully, it's a get-right week. Hopefully, poor Dre Greenlaw can heal up. I was in physical pain watching him try and play on Sunday. He was just going down basically after every play. That poor guy is so banged up. Hopefully, they heal up. Jags game's not going to be easy. Trevor Lawrence is really good. Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring on his finger. He knows what he's doing as a head coach. They're going to have to earn it. They're going to have to play better than they have played in a month if they're going to beat the Jacks. You would think turning it around, everybody sees it. Sherman has called it out multiple times. They need to go back to playing more zone, not play the soft man coverage that they've been playing. You think that's so obvious that they should be making that change coming out of the bye week. And, you know, I lean that they do, but I did have a thought the other day that kind of stopped me and goes, well, yes, it is obvious that they need to do that. And I'm sure Kyle knows this. But at the same time, the thought bugs me because what I'm thinking is, all right, the defensive line is not what Wilkes wants. They play a wide nine. It's not something he's dealt with. He's basically said, this is what we play. This is what we're going to play. You figure out the rest of the defense, right? So the part that he gets saying is the coverage. He's playing the coverage that he knows that he knows how to play uh make the play calls for, knows the ins and outs. Right. All of that. You know, that that's his bread and butter. Coaches know certain things 
better than others. Just like, you know, Kyle Shanahan knows the outside zone run scheme. That's his bread and butter, right? So this coverage is what Wilkes is used to. It's what he can do the play calls and know the ins and outs, left, right, center, whatever. If you change the coverage, why is he still here? Right? What does he bring at that point? That was my thought that kind of stopped me like, all right, they clearly haven't fired him and they're not going to at this point. So my question is, if you're going to change the secondary and the coverage on him and tell him, hey, you're going to run, you're going to stay as the defensive coordinator, but none of the defense that you're running is what you know and what you want to run, right? Then why would he be here? So I I do question, maybe they aren't going to change it because if they were going to force him to change it, you would think they would just let him go because he doesn't bring anything to the table at that point, right? I mean, it goes back to the whole plan in the beginning. Grant and I talked about this a little yesterday. It's like, yeah, we're hiring you for the job, but we don't want you to run your system. We want you to run somebody else's system. It's like, so what exactly do you like about me that has won me this position, you know? And so that speaks to the point you're talking about. If you're not going to let him play his coverages and he's a secondary coach, what would you say you do here? (laughs) Not to be a jerk, but it's a fair question. Uh, Wedge Antilles, by the way, says, Niners lost some good lieutenants and glue guys. They, uh, these people seem non-important, but are actually vital pieces, especially in times like these. Vocal leaders on the defense. You got Fred and who? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Like, you had Fred before. You had uh, DeForest Buckner before. You had Richard Jimmy Sherman Ward. before. Jimmy Ward. Absolutely, Jimmy Ward. Should have named him earlier. Now, you got one. I don't know if Armstead is that guy. I don't think he is. Um, I know he's a captain, but no. The, the problem is, is the guy that should have stepped up and filled the Jimmy Ward void is Nick Bosa. He was the obvious candidate, but one, he missed all of training camp. Two, I don't know that he's ever capable of doing that. Just not his mo. He's too much of an kind of individual. Hey, I'm going to do my own thing over here and dominate. You guys fill in the gaps, right? So where's Huff? Why why isn't Hufanga stepping up? Which, by the way. Where's he been? We haven't seen him make one of those great anticipation plays in a long time. I do wonder if the the scheme has taken that away from him, that he doesn't get that flexibility because what are they playing? They're playing soft coverage, soft too deep coverage. They stay off, they play man, and the two safeties go back deep. So you're not allowing Hufanga to come down and make the difference that he was. So I, I do wonder a lot about what changes are we going to see because the changes that it seems logical that they need are telling Wilkes, hey, you don't get to run any part of this offense. Blech, says right. Hufanga is tackling air this year. He absolutely is. Uh, Benjamin Bear says, can we talk for a moment about the penalties? That was also a major difference between the first five and the last three. The Niners are killing themselves. It's not just the number of penalties. It's when they come, Right. Niners get the ball back. They're driving down the field. They're rolling. And then all of a sudden they try to throw a little screen past Juwan Jennings gets a holding penalty. Boom. Kills that possession. Basically just completely stalls out the drive. Niners defense is gaining a little momentum. They uh, Cincinnati throws incomplete on the right sideline up oh, penalty pass interference. Charverius Ward automatic first down. It's the penalties and the key spots that have really just been a crusher for the Niners. 
it, it goes back to what we're saying. This is a team making mental mistakes. That's what's making them lose games. They're not scoring on offense because they keep making mental mistakes at the critical critical moments. You know, the, the interceptions, the fumbles by Christian McCaffrey, none of those are, wow, the defense just made a great play. You know, the, that, that safety jumped the route or whatever. It's none of that. It's what the heck were you seeing or just Christian McCaffrey flat out fumbling the ball. Like those are the type of mistakes they're making. And then they have a whole bunch of penalties. Same for the defense on the penalties. Traverius Ward keeps getting these holding penalties because he's being way too physical and he's not matching up with, with the corners. He's getting beat too often to where he has to hold to make sure the guy doesn't get behind him. So it's mental mistakes. This team is not focused. It gets back to what we've said. This team started feeling themselves after going 5-0. and They thought their crap didn't stink. So they stopped being as focused as they should be. And when you get a team that's not fully focused in the NFL, penalties and mental mistakes eat their lunch. Well, it's time, man. Like, you've lost three in a row. It was time before this. Focus up. Stop screwing around. Like you, you can't keep calling every loss a wake-up call. At some point, you're just asleep. <laughs> like the alarm doesn't wake you up sometimes. If you yeah. just put the Can radio on. Please think of the people out there. This livelihood depends on you making the playoffs. Poor right. Rob is going to be out on the curb if you don't make the playoffs, okay? Think of the content creators. That's all <laughs> we ask. Okay. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. And like and subscribe to the channel, please. We need some more likes. If you could hook us up with that, we would be extremely, extremely grateful. It's a bye week. Enjoy the bye week. Don't worry, we're going to be back tomorrow, 9.15 a.m. Pacific time. I'll be with Michelle. We'll have a full watch guide for you, what to pay attention to now that the Niners are off this weekend. So please join us for that as well. Levin. Go steal some of your kids' Halloween candy. I'll talk to you next week. That's already happened. <laughs> Hashtag dad tax. Every dad, every parent knows. You know the parent tax. Anyway, have a good Thursday, everybody.